Hello and welcome to the Alien Minute Podcast, the daily podcast where we carefully dissect the movie Alien one minute at a time. My name is John Engel. And I'm Mitch Bryan, and we're here with Minute 30, which begins with the crew inspecting the space jockey and ends with the crew more closely inspecting the space jockey. Yeah. And we're back again. It's Friday, our last day with Pete the Retailer from Star Wars Minute. Uh, Welcome back, Pete. Yeah, thanks for having me. Thanks for letting me finish out the week here. Well, we were just going to give you a little time if you want to tell us what uh, else is going on with you or what's going on with Star Wars Minute. Uh, well, like I said, we we just finished our season, so we're taking a uh, a break right now. We're doing a hiatus. We'll probably come back closer to the end of the year. I'm going to relax and not think about uh, podcasting maybe for for a couple of weeks, months. It's probably untrue. I think about podcasting all the time, but... I'll, I'll tell myself that now. And uh, and then, yeah, we'll be back with Attack of the Clones, like I said, maybe maybe in the fall or closer to the end of this year, beginning of next year. Well, congratulations on getting through The Phantom Menace. I know that that's a challenge. <laughs> uh, and then good luck on, on Attack of the Clones. <laughs> it's uh, daunting but exciting at the same time. It's you like get, climbing a get, mountain. Sure. <laughs> You guys did a good job on Phantom Menace. You got so much more out of that than I expected. So, oh, thanks. And, it was very. We had people from both sides kind of pulling us, like, "Hey, you guys are being too negative," and it's like, "Hey, you guys are being too positive." So, well, uh, thanks again for letting us uh, loaning out this format for us to do Alien. So, I guess we'll sure. get into the minute, minute number thirty. Uh, Mitch, what you got for this minute? Well, it begins with this low, wide angle looking up, making our trio seem a little bigger in the frame, but. Everything else seems even bigger than they are. Um, And as one circles, the other two try to climb up onto this thing in the center of the room, which I'm not sure that would be my first move, but I guess they seem to be pretty certain it's dead and maybe fossilized, and so they're going to crawl up and get a closer look. Um, I think the other thing that's interesting about the way that this space is revealed is, as we now see the floor, you just see this pattern that just repeats itself you know on all sides of it all the way up the walls and you know it's not like anything anybody has ever seen before Mm. well you you said um you know that they must have assumed that it was dead and fossilized well dallas actually specifically states as much he gives a very sober analysis probably using the tricorder he brought with him um (laughs) to to evaluate that the space jockey is dead and fossilized and he gets gives us some idea of what we're looking at here um and while keeping in character he is very about business very cool here when they reverse the shot to show him look at we we get a shot of him looking at the space jockey he he looks a little unnerved to me and this is continuing my feeling that he's starting to unravel a little bit inside. He's keeping the cool cat, the cool captain facade going, but I think he's, when it comes to this kind of stuff, he's, he doesn't know what to do with it any more than anybody else does. He's really fogging his helmet up too. You can see that. And I guess the reality was that the actors were having a lot of trouble breathing in those things. They didn't have really air supplies coming in. And so they were constantly passing out because they were breathing back in CO2 and the things were you know, the gas, CO2 gases were fogging up the inside of it. But what you get as an audience member looking at that is just one more sense of things not being perfect in this future, that, that, it's, that it's just not a particularly comfortable place to be. Yeah, I, I couldn't tell if he was 
nervous or excited. I guess anxious would be the kind of the meeting of, of both of those. He, he definitely, you know, he's definitely alert and, and kind of checking out what's going on. And I think, John, as you mentioned yesterday, this thing being set on a t- turntable allows a pretty dramatic reverse shot that happens next, where suddenly it's facing the other direction and we actually can see, you know, Dallas climbing up to look onto it. And I don't think that anybody in the audience is sitting there necessarily parsing all of that out. But the fact that we flipped to the other side gives us this sense that we're completely enclosed in this space, right. which is a really you know, effective trick. It also disorients us a little bit. And I think that's another really interesting thing about the movie is you get that big pullback crane shot revealing the entire space. And then as you go in closer, things start jumping. You know, the screen direction shifts. And I, I have to think that the intention is to just disorient us a little bit, make us start to feel uncomfortable again. Yeah. Now, is when he, uh, when Dallas says it's an alien life form, is that the first time in the movie Alien where they say the word alien? I, I believe so. Yeah. I'd have to scroll back. I, I wouldn't imagine they would have said it earlier about anything. But No, I think they said uh, when they heard the signal was pulsing, somebody said human, and he yep. said unknown. Yep. Mm. So you're probably correct. That's probably the first time we hear the word. Let's go a half hour in, and that's the... Uh... I like to, you know, mentally I applaud whenever I hear the the title of the movie said out loud in the movie. So, <laughs> when are these Star Wars ever going to end? <laughs> um, Pete, I've had this uh, another one of my theories that um, I've been working off of as far as the characterization here. Lambert, we, we've talked about how Lambert's nervous. She's the um, the audience surrogate. She seems to be the only one that wants to get the hell out of there. And my theory is, I think that this is her, you know, what's happening in this movie is her deepest nightmare. Like this is her, she's paranoid about this very thing happening. Uh, when she took the job, it was probably definitely in the, uh, the, the con part of her pros and cons as to whether take the job was, we don't know what's out there. What if we ran into the devil, a monster, whatever it may be. So here she is. She's actually face to face with it. And she responds again in typical fashion, let's get the hell out of here. But yeah. my thought here, this is the first time where I'm like, hell yeah, you guys need to get the hell out. This is where I agree a hundred percent. This is not, this is a valid complaint or valid desire. She's not just complaining. She's right. And it really has changed. You know, it changes my perception of her as a character a little bit. Like I'm on board with her now all of a sudden. So, um, yeah, I think that, I don't know. I really feel like my theory is kind of playing out here, and I think I'm feeling it too. Well, she gets a nice single shot for the line. Yeah. All the other complaints she's been uttering have been more or less off camera or in a three shot where you can't even see her mouth moving. But for that line, they cut to a single. She's there. She's framed by the shape, and she says the line, and, yeah, you kind of agree with her. Yeah, I wonder like how much it'd be interesting almost in an experiment in psychology or something, but take, you know, so much of this resonates as, you know, kind of spooky and, and a bad idea because of the, you know, it's playing off these kind of cultural notions that we have, you know, where everything is dark and kind of, you know, icky looking. But if you took, you know, just took the exact same scene, but had the setting be kind of, you know, kind of day glow, brightly lit, 
uh, you know, ship corridor and then have, you know, same thing, same sense, you know, the giant, uh, you know, um, um, pilot, giant space jockey, right, you know, sitting there and they find, you know, chest kind of broken through, but have it all be kind of brightly lit and weird, you know, poppy looking. Wonder how much, how much of the same kind of feeling you would get. Probably not a lot. No. You mean if George Lucas would have directed this movie? <laughs> George Lucas now, yeah. yeah. Well, I think that that's part of what happens with the alien cycle, too. I think as you move, especially to Alien Resurrection, it's all about seeing everything. And, right. yeah, the lighting's creatively moody in that movie, but it's not oppressive and terrifying and mysterious the way that it is here. Sure. Yeah, I mean, it's again. I'll I'll jump ahead just in case you know you guys don't get there. But I think Alien Resurrection is really good until the aliens show up. Yeah, so, I agree. But with, without the aliens, it's it's a much better movie. And then the, the once the aliens show up, they kind of drag the whole thing down. So, well, before I, the I aliens show up, it's Firefly, right? No, <laughs> Alien yeah. Alien Three. Oh, Alien Three. I'm sorry, I thought you were saying Resurrection. Oh yeah, no, I was talking about Resurrection. Oh, Resurrection. Oh, okay. Sorry. Yeah, it is. It is Firefly-ish. It's a very similar vibe. Yeah. Well, I was uh, going to make the same case with Alien 3 that I think that's that movie true, is. Yeah. And maybe that's just me, too, because first acts of any movie, for me, is always where all the promise lies. So right. you're you're imagining where this thing is going to go and what it could be and all the possibilities. And, and then, like opening day in baseball, <laughs> everything starts to change, you know, and all <laughs> those hopes in a bad movie, all those hopes go away. It's It's rare that you can get to minute 45 or 50 in a movie and just it's getting better and better and better and better yeah well to me alien 3 kind of it jumps the shark a little bit in the first act but that more relates to the movie before where i feel like they just erased uh, the entire engine that drove the yeah, <laughs> aliens is just erased immediately in that movie but that's a gripe for another time yeah yeah but Pete, you mentioned uh, in the last minute, and then again in this minute about the chest burster. We're getting the foreshadowing of the chest burster by seeing the the wound here on the space jockey. So I was going to. This is one of those times where I want to ask Mitch because Mitch was there on opening day in the theater with zero knowledge of the movie. At least I assume you had zero knowledge of the chest burster. What What do you think was going on here? You had no idea. Did you have a any? You just didn't give it any thought or well, theorize anything. You just knew something had. Yeah blown its way out of this thing from the inside. That's all you know. Yeah. And it's beautiful foreshadowing when it finally happens. Yeah. But it was, yeah, it, it, it was a part of the mystery, one more element of the mystery. Yeah, which is something, you know, I, I feel like, I don't want to sound like the guy complaining about new movies because it's not everything, but a lot of, uh, you know, like you've, feel you feel like everybody wants everything explained these days and i think that's that's one of the good things that not to always bring it back to star wars i do think about other things but one of the good things that the force awakens did is it kind of left a bunch of unanswered questions which got people talking about it like it set up you know uh it dropped a couple of things that you know you could speculate into and that's you know this the fact that this doesn't the space jockey thing doesn't really pay off uh, except for the fact, you know, when going back, thinking about it later, you're like, Oh wait, yeah, that's, that's what happened to that guy. Like the, the, the whole, his whole background, the whole, you know, how did the ship get there is all kind of unanswered questions that just adds, you know, depth and universe building. That's 
That's something that we don't get in a ton of movies these days. I think you're totally right about The Force Awakens. I felt like that, yeah, there were some boxes being ticked, you know, things that we wanted to see. But I felt like they were evening those out by creating new questions and and new mysteries and new characters. And I thought it was an extraordinary, you know, blast of being in that movie. Yeah, and back to this image, you know, speaking as a screenwriter, what we have here is classic... um, the image is a setup for a reveal later. And Tom last week was talking about his nine-year-old kid constantly saying, what's that? Who's that? You know, as you're watching a movie with a child and it kind of seems like that's what studios think is the, the typical audience mentality now where they have to explain everything quickly. Well, you never can reveal anything. If you do that, if you're constantly over explaining, when do you ever get the reveal and the reveal is one of the great pleasures of cinema. I It's confusing to me how that's been lost in so many ways, and there's very few people out there that still remember about those ingredients to pleasurable filmmaking or f- uh, film viewing. It's one of the reasons we don't have very many thrillers anymore, because the mm. marketing people feel like they have to sell the whole movie, but if it's a thriller, the pleasures are all of the things that are unknown. And so that's why these days, a lot of what are passing for thrillers is a setup and then a chase for the entire rest of the film. And part of that has to do, I think, with marketing being afraid of with withholding. And that's that's why Marathon Man's great, because you don't know what's <laughs> going to happen. Or Three Days of the Condor, you don't know what's going to happen. Right. Or even something like, uh, you know, going back to Psycho, where it's, you know, the the trailers and stuff for that, they basically say, like, all right, we're not going to tell you really about it. Like, here's a, here's a little bit of setup, and then just go see it. In fact, we're not even going to let you come into the theater after the yeah. movie has started. I mean, can yeah, you exactly. imagine that that today? Nobody would dare tell the consumer, you can't come in five <laughs> minutes after the movie starts. Maybe the Alamo Draft House would. Yeah, yeah they that's would. true. They, they would. That. And they'd drop some F-bombs while they do it. <laughs> yeah. Make sure you get it. <laughs> All right. Well, does anybody have anything else? Um, no. I said in the, in the background, I kind of, you know, came up to the... Uh, the AVP wiki. I don't know. I guess you guys have, you're probably aware of this. Xenopedia, I guess it's the, there's, there's a few different ones. Yeah. I don't know. This one seems to kind of be merging obviously. Cause you know, they, they cross over a bit later, but uh, according to them that, you know, it's still, it's still pretty much unknown with the, the whole background of the space jockey. And that's a good, uh, that's good to know. Yeah, we'll, we'll see if this next uh, this alien yeah, covenant true. might not be all about the space jockey. As of this recording, that. it's it's, uh, it's we're still in the dark about that, which is great. Yeah. Well, thanks so much for joining us this week. It's been great. Yeah. No, thanks for having me on. This is fun. Uh, I, you know, I love these movies, so I'm glad. I'm glad you guys are doing them. I'm glad this is. You know, it's fun to see what everybody's individual kind of like. Oh, yeah, Star Wars Minute is. I like that idea. This is my movie of that you know this is the one that i'm into that totally is you know i I can speak it backwards and forwards and it's it's great to see people's kind of passions for these films come out all right well that's going to do it for minute number 30 uh find us at alienminute.com or at alien minute pod on twitter subscribe to us on itunes or the stitcher app and uh, you can find pete the retailer with his partner alex robinson at starwarsminute.com or uh, you can check out the Alphabetical podcast that's up on iTunes. Um, we'll see you next week for Minute 31.